give us life, Father, breath and life in all things. And so, Father, we'll take the very breath that's a gift from you and we'll use it to declare your goodness in the earth. We'll say that great is the Lord. Great and mighty is the King of kings. Great is God in our life. Great is He to forgive. Great is He to extend mercy. You are the great God, Father. You are great to heal and to deliver, Father, and to save and to protect. Father, we choose to believe it because your word declares it to be so. Father, you're great because you are you show yourself great in our lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we give you praise and honor and glory for these things, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I was just thinking about that song. You know, the Lord uh, has done great and mighty things for us, amen. We see the things he did great. Um, in the Word of God, in the stories that we read in the Word, and and then we see the great things that He's done in our lives. And I was just thinking, you know, if the Lord was only great in theory, right? If if He just said, "Well, you got to declare that I'm great. I haven't done anything for you. I don't plan to do anything for you, but I am great." It'd be hard for us to accept that He's great, right? I mean, if He just said that He was great without any evidence that He was actually great, it'd be hard for us to accept that, you know. And yet much of the church today doesn't believe that God is doing any great things in their life. And it's like, well, then how do you know he's great? I mean, how, what, what convinces you that he's great? Because he did something great for somebody else that you don't even know? How has that, uh, that caused you to believe that? Amen? Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, he's great. And he told us that he would do great things in our lives. And he has done great things in our lives. Um, but some of the church, they don't really believe that. Amen? And uh, it's just really odd, isn't it, that uh, they believe he's great. Well, what, what great things has he done for you in your life? Well, he hasn't really done anything great in my life. Then how do you know he's great, you know? And so, I know some people have a, uh, uh, what's that? Well, I know, I know. But even that, some people think, well, you know, he didn't really create it. You know, he kind of got some things started and kicked off and it evolved into that, into that uh, thing there, you know. Uh, and people have a really hard time just accepting that God created the universe in six days. Uh, and, um, and then I hear, you know, if they had some valid reasons, maybe I would listen to them. But their reasoning it just says, well, it's so big, there's no way he could have done it in six days. Like, have you ever met the Lord? I mean, you can just do what he wants to, right? If he wants to create it in six days, it just, it's there, six days. I mean, why is, this, why is it a, a big thing for God to do to create the universe in six days? Well, he did it, you know, over you know, millions and billions of years, and really, is he like just got barely enough power to do these things? I mean, is it so slow that he has to take that long to do those things? And I, I got no problem with, you know, and I could be proved wrong when we get to heaven. He may say, well, you know, I mean, but the Bible says it was a day, right? And so, I mean, uh, in my assumption, if he said it was a day, why is that problem believing that it was a day, right? You know, because he told Moses, the one who wrote those words down, Moses was a very intelligent human being. If he wanted to tell Moses it was over some, uh, you know, un, unknown length of time, he could have explained that to Moses, and Moses could have written that down in such a way that we could have understood it. Uh, and yet the Lord just said, I did it in six days. And so, I don't know, you know, people, 
Uh, people have a hard time with that. And a lot of Bible scholars, you know, quote Bible scholars, you know, they really struggle with some of the great supernatural things of the Lord that he would do those things. You know, just like when, when Joshua uh, had the uh, sun stay up for 24 hours, you know, uh, and, and, you know, I'm a trained engineer and I'm thinking about what it would take to do that. You know, I understand that, you know, most people are, oh, yeah, it's a, and, you know, as an engineer, I think, wow, that's a really big deal, right? I mean, because you, you think about uh, right now, we're spinning around on the earth. Just you, right now, you're traveling a thousand miles an hour right now around the earth, right? Uh, and so on its axis. Well, you know, if you go from a thousand miles an hour to zero instantly, you know, you're a bug, right? You get squished and you're just a spot on the road. You know, you would just, you know, that, that it's worse than having an accident, right? Because an accident, you go from 50 miles an hour to zero instantly. Well, if you're going a thousand miles an hour to zero instantly, you know, you'd be squished, right? So how did the Lord do that? I have no idea, right? Uh, and um, I suspect when he, one way he could have done it was he could have just had the rest of the, the sun and, and the whole universe uh, spin in the other direction, leave the earth spinning in the same uh, direction a thousand miles an hour. He could have just turned the whole universe and done that. I mean, I don't know, you know, he can do it however he wants to, right? But, you know, he could have done that. Well, that's a huge deal. Well, there's nothing for the Lord to do that. Uh, you know, the, the, the problem, you know, so oftentimes, and I see this a lot, is uh, what happens is, although we are intelligent human beings, right? And the Lord had made us intelligent, you know, and he's made us in his, in his likeness. But sometimes our intelligence gets in our way. You know, I, well, I can't believe that. As if, what, are you the auditor of God's faith? Are you the auditor of saying, well, Lord, that's too much? Or, Lord, that's too far to believe? Lord, you know, that's, that goes beyond our, our ability to, you know, to believe that. Is there a limit to what we could believe or what we are able to believe? There's no limit, but oftentimes we put the limit on our own selves. Well, I, I just can't believe that. Why not? Why, why can't you believe that? Why is, that a, why is there a limit? Why is there a limit to what you can believe? Because, you know, we'll, over here we'll say, well, yeah, you know, in theory I believe God's a big God. Okay, well, is he big in your life? Well, I don't know about that. You know, it's, that seems like kind of fanatical to believe, believe God that much, right? Uh, and so, no, we should take the limits off of God and just, you know, if his word declares that he's big and great and mighty, then believe that he's big and great and mighty. Amen. And he's well able to do anything that we ask, you know. His word say he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. You know, exceeding abundantly, right? So not just barely. So, you know, if you think you have a hard time believing that, well, then that must be, you know, uh, an area that you need work in because he said he could do not only that, but even greater than that. And, um, but I hear, I hear Christians oftentimes, uh, oftentimes, uh, put limits on God and, and how far they're able to believe. Well, you know, God couldn't create the whole world in, in six days. Why not? Well, what, what's, is there a limit on God, right? Well, well you know, mankind wasn't created uh, immediately. You know, he was evolved, you know, from a bug. And, and um, you know, don't get me started on evolution, you know. I mean, it, it requires more faith to believe in evolution, I believe, you know, because it's all based on chance, right? And that by chance, a spark of life created us. And by chance, every feature that we have in our, in our bodies was a complete accident of a prior generation, right? There was some genetic flaw in a prior generation of us caused that new thing to appear, right? So maybe we started with one eye and a genetic flaw occurred and we, now we had two eyes. And somehow that genetic flaw then became hereditary to everything after us. And then everybody else with one eye died out somewhere, right? 
So it doesn't make any sense. Why are people with one eye? I mean, you, we started out with one eye. I don't know we started with one eye. I don't know what the theory of evolution says. And they'll, they'll make up all these other rules. You know, well, you know, if, if you're going to get a defect, it's automatically going to be a defect to go from zero eyes to one eye to two eyes, right? Well, there's no rule. There's no, you don't find a rule book for evolution. You know, you just made that rule up. Uh, and so, but they'll make up rules like that. Uh, and why, why isn't there any one-eyed people? You know, well, all the one-eyed people died out. Well, well why is that? Because two-eyed people are better than one-eyed. Well, you know, aren't there dumb people? Well, it seemed like there had been no, no more dumb people because, you know, all the smart people would have surely uh, weeded out all the dumb people by now, right? And yet there's still dumb people in the world, right? And so, uh, you know, anyway, it's... Uh, uh, believe God, amen? He's great and mighty. If he's great and mighty, then he's still great and mighty, amen? And believe him for great and mighty things in your life, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so we talked last week about uh, how um, sin and death go together. Uh, and, uh, and they do, amen? And, it, and that's one thing where, um, you know, around here, uh, uh, my, my understanding of the Word of God is that He will always forgive, amen? He will never not forgive. And yet, oftentimes, the church will put limits on that. Well, He won't forgive all the time. Really? He said He would. He said He's faithful. Does that mean, does that mean He'll do it every time? If He's faithful, He'll do it every time. You know, He's like, I'm, that's enough, you know. I mean, didn't He tell... Uh, Peter, you know, and Peter said, how many times should I forgive my brother? And he, seven times? And he said, no, 70 times seven, which is 490 times, right? And, and of course, we all, oh, that's, is that the limit? That's not the limit. You know, he just was using a number that's larger than, how, has anybody in your life sinned against you 490 times? That's what he was talking about, right? That nobody's going to do that that much. Uh, so if the Lord told us that we need to forgive 490 times, surely he'll forgive us 490 times at least, right? Now, and yet, won't he do more than, than he even told Peter? And that's not a limit, right? That, uh, but uh, people will put limits on God that you can only be forgiven so many times. And, uh, but the problem, uh, the problem with that is people, uh, some people, and I don't think it's very many people, but some people will say, then if God will forgive every time, then I'm just going to sin however I want to. Well, First of all, that's dumb, right? Because I thought you said that he's your Lord. But secondly, sin and death always go together. You want to sin and roll the dice? Then sin and roll the dice, right? I mean, is God, God's not going to kill you. He told us in his word to not give place to the devil. And every time you sin, you choose as an act of your free will to give place or license to the devil to operate in your life. Uh, you know, if you're in the mode of sin in that uh, time and season of sin, you know, the devil has a, has a free right by your choice to operate in your life as best he can. Amen. Uh, and how far can he go with that? Well, I don't know. You want to find out? I don't want to find out. You know, if you stay inside the blessings of the Lord, inside the will of God, then you're, you're fully protected from all the work of the enemy. Amen. There's no sin and death working in your life. And so, you know, people who think that way, you know, think there's no ramifications for sin. There are ramifications for sin. Uh, and at any given time, when you choose to operate in sin, the devil uh, has, a, has a right to operate in your life as far as he can go in that area. Uh, and how far is that? I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't want to find it out. Amen? So it's not, it's not correct doctrine to say that, well, if you say that God will, will forgive all the time, then I have a right to sin all that I want to. And, and you know, maybe it's not the correct way to, correct way to say that it's not correct doctrine. 
That is correct doctrine. It's not very wise to live that way, though. Amen? Uh, because you're, you're, uh, every time you're in sin by choice in those things, you're not advancing spiritually, are you? You're staying right where you are, just like you remember when Miriam sinned against Moses, right? Uh, Miriam and Aaron both sinned against Moses, but uh, uh, Miriam had leprosy. And, um, you know, and she was saying, well, you know, God talks to us too. You know, anytime you compare yourself among yourself, what does what does Second Corinthians chapter ten say? It says you're what? You are unwise, right? Uh, comparing themselves among themselves, they are unwise. And so, when you start comparing yourself among yourselves, well, I'm just as smart as he is. Well, I'm just as spiritual as he is. I know just as much of the Bible as he knows. Well, you're unwise because it's not a competition, right? And the Lord spoke to Miriam and said, yeah, you're right, you know, uh, uh, you, uh, I do speak to you. He said, but I speak to Moses face to face. And then uh, Moses interceded for Miriam and said, Lord, you know, have mercy on her. And he said, well, if she had had some unclean thing, wouldn't I uh, have her outside the camp for seven days? So the whole nation of Israel is going to stop for seven days uh, and then I'll cleanse her from, from her sin. Uh, and so the hope, the progress of the entire nation stopped because of her sin. Well, you know, your sin oftentimes uh, has ramifications to people outside your own life. Amen. You think it's just me. But how many people are not getting to advance in their life because of your sin? Because you're not providing the assistance that they need. Miriam was there to help Moses is what she was there. And instead she tried to, to obtain glory unto her own self. The entire nation quit moving and advancing because of her sin. And so sometimes, you know, your, your sin has an impact on other people's life. Amen? It's not ultimate, no, it's guaranteed, but uh, that is the case there. Uh, and so, uh, and of course, we know that we are where we are today in this fallen world because of one, one man, right? Mr. Adam fell in the garden and chose to yield himself to, uh, to the devil, to the serpent in that case. And... and um, we read that, and I think it'd be good just to start there today over in Romans chapter 5. And if we understand these things, you know, uh, some things make a little bit more sense, right? Uh, and so in Romans chapter 5, it says uh, uh, in verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed into all men, for they all have sinned. So, Sin entered into the world. What followed up uh, that sin coming into the world? Death by sin, right? So death was not, was not a, a uh, um, result in and of itself. Death came about because of the sin. And that's what the Lord had told uh, a, Adam, that uh, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in doing so you shall die. Or in the Hebrew, the original language, it, it uh, has kind of a play on words. It means, in dying thou shalt die. Uh, and so uh, what happened spiritually as soon as Adam and Eve ate of the tree? They died in what way? They died spiritually. Immediately, right? They were, they were separated from the life of God. Uh, and what happened 930 years later? Adam died physically, right? So in dying, he died spiritually. Uh, and and uh, eventually that caught up with him physically right so he died spiritually immediately eventually he died physically and so that tells you one thing that if Jesus had not gone to the cross 
physically he could still be here with us today, right? Because he not only didn't have a sin nature in his body, uh, he committed no sin while he was on the earth, and there was no, there was no area for death to operate in his life. Uh, and so, uh, and, and of course that, that's, uh, you, you, you have to read between the lines a little bit there, but it says in, back in verse 12, uh, that uh, death entered the world by sin, and so death passed unto all men, for that all have sinned. Yeah, and, uh, and so the sin nature is passed down from generation to generation through the man. Uh, and so, uh, which is one reason that if you go back to, well, why was Jesus born of a virgin? Why was Jesus not born with the assistance of a man on the earth, right? He was born with the assistance of a woman on the earth, but he was not born with the assistance of a man on the earth because all men uh, passed down the sin nature. So doesn't matter if you're male or female you had a dad right now I know in our current society they're trying to redefine the definition of men and women it just I mean it's like you know how come nobody's raising a hand and go you all the dumbest people I have ever heard in my life you're trying to say that that man can get pregnant and that woman can be a father they're the dumbest people I've ever heard in my life right you know just go down to Lowe's to the plumbing department and you'll see males, males, and females, and females, and you can't switch the other. It just don't work, right? And you can say, and you can you can say it's not. It doesn't matter if you say it; it's still not, right? And so, uh, I don't. We the dumbest, dumbest group of people uh, in the world, and oh, isn't that wonderful? That's dumb, right? You know, I'm not even mad about it. It's just dumb. It just and so, but uh, they're trying to. Uh, be, and the reason why they're doing that is because they hate God, right? They hate. They hate. That God created this way. And they're trying to say, we can just redefine what God created. Well, you, can, you can say it, the sky is green. It doesn't matter uh, whether you say it or not. It's still blue, amen? Well, no, the sky is green now. It's not green. It, just because you say it's green, not, and just because you call that person a male when they're a female, it doesn't change anything. They're still a female, right? And so, anyway, it's just, uh, uh, but, um, that, and, and, the reason, and all of this goes back to because the devil's always trying to mess with the virgin birth, and, you know, he, he hates the fact that the virgin, the virgin birth occurred. Uh, and he's trying to say, well, see, you know, we can, we can do that today. We can have children without even two people. No, every child on the earth has a mother and father. No child on the earth has never not had a mother and father, except for the Lord Jesus, right? He had an earthly mother. Uh, and so because he had an earthly mother, see, every single person, because they have an earthly father and an earthly mother, that earthly father... It, transferred that sin nature to their child and that child man or woman has a sin nature in them they grew up and then and then if uh if the man chooses to get married uh then he he will have uh and they have children then the man even even though the woman has a sin nature she doesn't pass that sin nature on to on to the on to the child and so that's one reason not the only reason but that's one reason why jesus had to be born of a virgin so that so that the sin nature was not passed to him so that he could be the perfect lamp, right? I mean, that was part of the goal. And the Lord knew all these things, right? The Lord, he's smarter than all of us. He planned all this thousands of years ahead of time. And he needed, because if, if, if he had a sin nature, then he would not have been the perfect sacrifice, would he? He would have been a sacrifice with a blemish, right? He had a spot, a blemish on him. And he would have been unqualified to be the great, uh, to be the great sacrifice for us. And so... So uh, all, all of that, you know, to, to say here, here we are today, 
all of us have the sin nature now because of what one man did, right? So don't think that your uh, uh, actions may not have ramifications beyond what you can see, right? Uh, and so, uh, and, and, and of course, that's what he said, that all, because of that, all of us sinned, right? And all, and all of these things happened because of that. So, Adam opened up the door to sin, which then opened up the door to death, which opened up the door to sickness and disease, amen? So all of these things came into the world be, because of, of the actions of one man. Uh, and, uh, and it wasn't even Eve's fault, right? It was Adam's fault, because it says right there, for by one man, sin entered into the world. Uh, and so, uh, and I remember uh, Dr. Dufresne was talking to the Lord about this, uh, and he said, well, you know, Lord, Adam and Eve fell in the garden. He said, you know, you could have just started over, right? I mean, with two people, you could just start over with those two people, and got rid of those two and just got two new ones and then you wouldn't have all this, we wouldn't have all these problems, right? Why, why wouldn't you do that? Which is kind of a valid question, right? I mean, it's not an unreasonable question to ask, you know, because it's hard to start over now. You'd have to kill 8 billion people, right? We just, I think we just literally this week rolled over to 8 billion, right? Anybody counting? I'm not counting. Whoever counts those things, right? So we just rolled over 8 billion people. And of course, you know, uh, uh, there's all kinds of things. Oh, when we get eight bit, the whole world's going to collapse. It's not going to collapse. You know, we've got plenty of space. And uh, I mean, you used to drive around Dayton. How much space is in Dayton, right? You, we could put 50,000 people in Dayton, Tennessee. We're not, not in trouble. But anyway, that's another whole discussion. But um, And so, uh, you know, Lord, why don't you just start back over? And the Lord said, he said, I'm, I'm, I don't do abortions. Uh, and which is fair, right? Because he would have to kill Adam and Eve. And you think about the Lord, you know, I think about this a lot, that the Lord... He just, he's the kind of, he's, the, he's you know, I'm going to say kind of person, but, but his, his heart is, I'm going to fix it. Whatever it is, I'm going to, and I don't care how long it takes, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to show them that I can fix it, and we can, and we can, we can get this back on track. Even though it, though it took thousands of years to get it done, he still, and he spent thousands of years planning redemption. And it's just the kind of God he is. He could have just killed Adam and Eve and stuffed a pillow on their head and been over and got brand new Adam and Eve, right? Uh, but that's not the kind of God he is. He, he will fix it, right? Uh, and regardless of the amount of effort, you think about how much effort it took him to bring Jesus into the world, right? All the generations and all the faith and all the covenants and all the work he had to bring Jesus into the earth. And yet, to him, it was worth the effort, right? And, and, and that just shows you that you're worth the effort, amen? Uh, and sometimes we treat human beings as if they're throwaway. And I think about how much... How much uh, energy God uh, ex expended to bring redemption into the earth. And, and if you really understand it, you know, and I don't know at all, but I understand a lot of the, of the plan of redemption, it, it makes, it, it encourages me to how much the Lord must love me and everybody else in the world. And that's why it's so hard for me to see people just kind of throw people away, right? You know, well, you know, God can never use somebody like that. You just throw, the, you just throw their whole life away. He spent thousands of years in redemption and you're going to throw their whole life away because they made a mistake. And I understand, you know, that mistakes can have consequences and you deal with those consequences, right? But to just throw their life away and saying there's no, there's no redemption for you. I just, I just I, you know, I really find it hard to believe that people think that way, but they do, right? So, the, you know, the Lord didn't, for, did, uh, did he forsake Adam and Eve? No, he didn't. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. And, um, you know, as soon as, he, as soon as things got kind of, um, dealt with there. Let's go. Let's go to uh, um, Genesis chapter three. 
And let's just look and see what he, what he did here. Um, let's start in verse 8. So this is after, after the fact, right? It says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So what's, what's, I mean, there's so many consequences of sin just right here, right? One of them is you hide from God. Uh, how many times people sin and they run away from God? They, they go, quit going to church or they quit, you know, fellowshipping the Lord or fellowshipping with his people. Uh, and that's very often, right? Uh, that happens very often. Uh, and, he said, uh, and he said, I was afraid. So fear gets into your life, right? And, and sin is the great destroyer of confidence. Uh, you know, people that are walking with the Lord have great confidence with the Lord. They, they know they can ask the Lord for anything and get anything from the Lord. But then they start living in sin, and, and suddenly they just feel, they feel unworthy to ask. And, and so uh, their confidence is destroyed with the Lord. And sin always has that, that uh, ramification of you lose your confidence with the Lord. Uh, and so, uh, and then you hide yourself from the Lord as if he can't find you, right? I'm going to quit going to church. Well, he still knows where you're at, right? I'm going to quit talking to him. Well, he's still listening for you, right? And he's still speaking, amen? I don't think he quits talking to you, even if you quit talking to him. And so, uh, and uh, then verse 11, and he said, who told thee that thou wast naked? Uh, you know, the Lord loves asking questions. You ever notice that? Now, what kind of question is this? Who told you, right? Uh, and of course, before that, uh, Adam, where art thou, right? That's a question. Uh, and you reckon he didn't know where Adam was? Well, he knew where Adam was, right? But you know, uh, the, uh, in fact, you remember when Jesus was on the earth, uh, remember when he went to the man of the pool of Bethesda? And he went up and said, uh, will you be healed? What kind of a question is that? I mean, the man's sick right there, right? And the pool of Bethesda trying to get healed for, for who knows how long, you know, it implies a long time. And he's crippled, right? Because he can't, he can't beat anybody else to the pool. And then Jesus asked, you know, would you be healed? <laughs> what kind of a question is that? The Lord, he, he loves asking us questions because he wants to hear words of faith. Uh, and a lot of times he'll ask questions because he's, he's desiring to hear an answer of faith. And, if he, and like we read this morning, uh, uh, the woman, the Syrophoenician woman, for this saying. If you say the right things, you get a great response from the Lord, right? For this saying. Uh, and so a lot of times he'll ask questions and, and, he, and he's listening to see uh, what our answer is. Remember when he asked Elijah, what are you doing here on the mountain? Right? When he ran away from uh, uh, Ahab and, and Jezebel. What are you doing up here? Uh, and then, of course, he started whining. About, oh, Lord, you know, I'm the only one serving you, you know. All the else, I'm the only one, you know. Uh, and... He went on and, and uh, you know, murmured and griped and complained, you know, a bunch of things. And, and, and the Lord uh, stopped him and, and asked him another question. You know what the second question was? Elijah, why are you up here? He asked the exact same thing twice, right? <laughs> and so, note to self. If the Lord asks you the same question twice, pause before you answer it the second. The second time, Elijah said the exact same thing. Lord, I'm the only one serving you. And, of course, what did the Lord say? Actually, Elijah, thou seer, thou prophet, who can see things in the realm of the spirit, but not all things. Uh, there are 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. 
Uh, and so, so where art thou, Adam? Uh, so I would encourage you, if the Lord asks you a question, pause before you, you know, uh, and consider your answer prior to you giving him an answer, right? Because uh, is this the correct answer uh, that Adam gave him? Uh, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I, because I was naked and I hid myself. It wasn't, Lord, uh, I sinned is why I'm hiding myself. That's the correct answer, right? Did he say anything about sin in this response? No. As if the Lord's like, oh, well, okay. I thought you said, but I guess not. No, no the Lord's never going to say that because he knows the answer, right? Who told you that you were naked? Another question there, right? Have you eaten of the tree? Does the Lord know the answer to this question? Well, sure he does. But uh, what you'll find is the Lord's always trying to drive us towards faith. Always trying to drive us towards, even in their sin, he's trying to drive them towards the faith of confessing their sins. Uh, who told you? Have you eaten a tree that I commanded you that you should not eat? And the, the, the man, verse 12, the man should have said, yes, end of story, right? That should have been the answer, right? Yes, I eat of the tree. But instead, what did he, what did he do? The woman that thou gavest me, uh, she gave me the tree and, and I did eat. You know, and I was just thinking about this uh, today about... Um, uh, I guess it was maybe yesterday, today, or something along these lines about how oftentimes uh, we do things and somebody else gets us, you know, uh, they kind of uh, encourage us to sin. And then we go along with it and we think we've got an out. Well, Lord, it was their fault, right? And, and in context, I was thinking about it, you know, Chris and I decided, you know, we're going to, uh, eat a few less sweets, you know, uh, than, than we have in the in the past. And of course, uh, uh, I think today is like a holiday from that, right? And so we'll get back on it tomorrow. But uh, uh, and because uh, part of it is like, hey, you want some cake? Well, I hadn't thought about it, but since you mentioned it, yeah, let's go get cake, right? I mean, it, it, it's and I can't blame any weight that I gained. Well, she, she, it was her fault because she asked me if I wanted cake, right? I, I can't, it, it doesn't work that way. I can't say it's her fault, right? Because I still did it, right? But how many times have people encouraged you, even coaxed you into sin, right? And, uh, you know, part of it is there's just evil people in the world. Even people who go to church will try to get other people in church to sin because their sin makes them feel bad. And so they're hoping that if you sin along with them, that they'll have an excuse. Well, you know, it's just their, their, their fault, you know. Uh, and... Uh, does that ever work? Do you have a, ever have a valid excuse from the Lord? Oh, well, that's okay. If she brought up cake first, well, then you're good, right? You're not in any trouble. Is that, does that ever work? No. I mean, this is the very first excuse in the Bible. Doesn't work here. Never works after this either, right? And so, and, you know, I have thought a lot about these because, you know, for me, many years ago, the Lord kind of put me on a path to not live with excuses in my life. Not live with, well, Lord, I just couldn't get up. Well, Lord, I just couldn't do this. Well, Lord, I couldn't help it. Well, Lord, I, and just instead of, instead of sm trying to do a smoke screen like Adam did, because he could have, the very first question, he could have fessed up immediately, right? Well, I, Lord, I, I, I did wrong. Now, he would have still had ramifications, but it, it may not have even been as bad. I don't know. But, um, uh, but did the Lord give any buy on anybody for these excuses? No, 
And so you think he's going to let you get by with your excuses? Uh, and for me, he's, he's, he just won't let me get, you know. If I ever repent to the Lord, it's always, Lord, I did it. I chose to do it. Nobody made me do it. And I never bring anybody else in on my repentance. I, well, they coerced me. Well, I love them. Or, you know, I couldn't help it. Or, you know, I didn't know what came over me. None of those things are true. What's true is, Lord, I did it. I chose to do it. And nobody made me do it. Uh, and so, and that's, that's the correct way to live. But, you know, of course, Adam and Eve don't have uh, the insight that we have of the other 66 books of the Bible, right? So we do have even an advantage over Adam and Eve. We have thousands of years of instruction that's been given to us uh, by, the, by the blessings of the Lord in the Word of God. And so, uh, so immediately Adam said, uh, it was the woman. Well, you know, did the Lord say, oh, okay, well, no problem. You're good then. You're off the hook. You go on, I'll deal with the woman. See you later. You know, did, did he do that? No, he didn't do that, right? Uh, and so, um, but, you know, uh, what did he do? Uh, it says, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. The Lord said unto the woman. And I'm sure as soon as, as, soon as this happened, the Lord said unto the woman, Adam's like, man, I dodged a bullet there. He, he's taking his attention off of me. He's going to the woman. I'm good, right? Because he bought my lie, right? He bought, my, he bought the, 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 the excuse that it was the woman that you gave me, right? And why did the Lord do that? Because he's smart, right? You know, he, he's, uh, he's setting Adam up, right? Uh, and so, so the Lord, you know, uh, said to the woman, what is it that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And that's basically true, right? Because in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says that, that she was deceived, right? Well, why was she deceived? Well, because she should have gone to Adam because the Lord actually told Adam that, right? He told Adam what, to not eat of the tree. Then later on, Eve was created. She should have, she should have told the, the, the serpent, let me go check with Adam real quick, you know, because the Lord said don't, don't touch of the tree. And now you're, you know... Uh, of course, the Lord didn't say don't touch a tree, but she told the serpent, the Lord said don't touch a tree. You know, let me, you know, this is so fuzzy. Let me go jump, double check with Adam to see, the Lord, did it say, you know, we couldn't touch it or just not eat it? And Adam said, well, I, I told you. But, you know, uh, I suspect that Adam was fully in on this anyway because she brought him the fruit, right? And, um, and he ate of it. And so, you know, I'm wondering if Adam remembered the, 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 uh, uh, the warning that the Lord gave him that, that, in the day that thou shalt eat it, thou shalt surely die. And he saw her eat it, and said, well, she didn't die. And so he's treating her like a court jester, right? Well, you try, if you don't die, I'll, I'll eat some of it too, right? And of course, not realizing what's actually happened, right? That she did die, but he didn't, couldn't see it physically, right? He could see it, uh, it happened in the realm of the spirit immediately. Uh, and so, you know, it kind of, I don't know, I, I, you know, you read these things and you think, well, Adam, you're really, you're kind of a snake in the grass along with the serpent, right? Let's see, if he, let's see if Eve dies. Oh, she dies. She didn't die immediately. So give me some of that fruit too. Uh, and so what have you done? Well, what's the correct answer? Uh, yeah, I, I ate it. What'd she do? It was a serpent, right? And how often do we do that? Lord, it's not, it's not my fault, right? Not my fault. Uh, and, and so... The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And so the Lord, in verse 14, the Lord said unto the serpent. And so now, Adam's like, Phew. Eve is like, Phew. he's, he's taking attention off of me. 
he's focusing on, so I'm, I must be off the hook, right? Uh, did the Lord ever tell him they were off the hook? Well, no, he didn't tell him they were off the hook, right? But then he, then he goes to the serpent, and the serpent does, well, there's nobody else there, right? He start, he's going to point his finger this way, too, like everybody else had, but there's nobody else to point his finger to. So, so the Lord didn't even ask the serpent what you did. Notice that, right? He asked, he asked the created man and woman what they did, but he, he didn't ask the serpent what he did. Why? Because he would have lied anyway, right? He's the father of lies, right? And so he's not going to ask the liar what you did. It wasn't me. Uh, he said, because you've done this, you, you, you'll be cursed above all the cattle, above every beast of the field. And, and upon thy belly thou shalt go, and thus shalt, shalt thou eat all the days of life. Uh, and then he starts, uh, after this, now he's starting to, to go back and give at least a little hope to Adam and Eve. Uh, and he says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So, so what is, what is uh, Genesis 3.15? Uh, who, who is he talking about? about uh, whose heel is, is, is going to get bruised here? He, he's talking about... Um, uh, it shall bruise thy head, so the head of the serpent is going to get bruised, but whose heel is getting bruised? It's prophesying about Jesus, right? That Jesus is going to, be, going to get harmed uh, in uh, dealing with the devil here, right? And so this is the first prophecy of the Messiah that, uh, you know, was Jesus harmed on the cross? Was he beaten severely on the cross? Well, yeah, and this is the, the prophecy of the Messiah right here. So he's giving some hope to Adam and Eve, that there's going to be a way out, right? Uh, and so, uh, and so, so he starts with the, with the promise there, uh, and and we'll go on and look at some other things here as we go uh, through this as well. Um, uh, and, and of course, this was um, uh, in relation to the promise that uh, Doctor Yeomans brings out Hebrews two fourteen as well. For as much then. As the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power of death, that is, the, the devil. So did the, Lord, uh, uh, did the Lord experience death on our behalf? He did, right? And so when the Lord said he's going to uh, bruise his heel, that means that redemption is going to occur, but not without cost, right? There's going to be a, a cost uh, for redemption, right? Uh, and... Uh, this seed, uh, uh, she said, between thy seed and her seed. And so that seed there is talking about, uh, he didn't say plural, seeds as in many, right? And Paul brings this out in other places too. Uh, seed as in one, thy seed. So he's specifically talking about the, the seed of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus there, right? Uh, and so uh, so he said eventually that uh, that her seed is going to destroy the serpent, going to destroy your head, going to bruise your head, uh, and, uh, but you're going to also cause some harm to him, right? And so did Jesus die physically in pain and agony? He did. Did he die spiritually in pain and agony? He did. Uh, was he recovered from all of that? He did, right? Uh, and so then he goes on. Uh, uh, after he's done with the serpent, now he turns back to Eve. And he says, unto the woman, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow, thy conception, uh, and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and uh, thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Uh, and, uh, and then, uh, of course, 
I'm sure as he's talking to the woman, Adam's getting a little nervous, right? Because they both thought they were off the hook when he was focusing on the serpent. Then he starts, he, he goes down to the serpent and he goes back to Eve. So Adam's probably, because Adam was pretty smart, right? Wasn't as smart as he should have been, but he was at least pretty smart, right? He named all the animals. So he had some level of intelligence. Uh, and so after he gets done with Eve, then he points to Adam and says unto him, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree. And that right there, you know, should tell us that, that you yielding to somebody else's pressure to commit sin is never a valid excuse. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and how many husbands and wives have gotten in trouble with that? You know, I remember years ago there was an um, uh, uh, elder couple with my pastor. And uh, the wife really had gotten out of line in the church started telling the pastor what to do and, and certain things and you know and the, the pastor tried to talk to the husband about it he said you know i just want you to know that that i always support her like even if she's wrong yeah and that's this right here right that's this that's that's genesis chapter three you know i support my wife 100 percent unless she's wrong and it's like i'm not i'm not dying on that cross with you you know <laughs> you can die on your own hill but uh, and she'd say the same thing about me right i mean if i, if I go out and get enough sin she's like, i'm going with him she's like no way you go on i'll see you later right there's no way she'd join me in my sin uh and so um but the lord said unto him uh, to adam so even though adam hearkened to the voice of eve was he off the hook no because he knew better right and it's the thing about knowing better, you know, uh, did you know better to do that? And so, um, so because he did that, and has eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Curses the ground for thy sake and sorrow, thou shalt eat of it. All the days of thy life, thorns and thistles shall bring forth unto thee. Thou shalt eat of the herb of the, of the field, and the sweat of thy face shalt thou uh, eat bread. To thou return unto the ground, for out of, for out of it wast thou created or taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And Adam named his wife Eve, because she is the mother of all living. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord make coat of skins and clothe them. So, so this is interesting, right? This is the first uh, bloodshed that occurred in the scriptures, right? Uh, where uh, some kind of, uh, uh, we don't know what the animal was, but make coats of skin Probably it was a lamb or a goat, um, and um, but we don't know what it was. But he made coats of skin and clothed them. Now they they tried to do it with figs, right? Uh, remember they they put the fig leaves on, uh, and you know it's interesting that that they used figs, but the Lord used you know the blood of an animal then to sacrifice to an animal in order to cover them, right? So now he's covered them. So. You know, this, you have to read between the lines, but, it, you know, and you may have a different opinion, but, but my opinion is here that this is how we know that Adam and Eve made it, right? That, that blood was shed on their behalf and that they, they, did, they, are, they will be with us in eternity when we arrive at heaven uh, because of the sacrificial uh, example right here. Uh, and so, uh, but uh, what was the only thing that Jesus ever cursed? fig tree right uh you always wonder if it was you know he was just getting back at the fig tree right it's your fault you know you try to cover up the sins of, of my people you know i don't know you know it's just again that's my opinion there but uh um and, and so um 
I wonder if it's just payback, you know, about time I got, you know, got you paid back, you know, for trying to cover up the sins of my people. Uh, and so, um, but, uh, the, but there was a covering here, right? They were covered, blood was shed, they were covered. And that kind of, you know, as a type and a shadow, that kind of shows us the same covering that we have uh, as, uh, as Christians at the Lord Jesus. Uh, of course, well, we know that our sins now are not just covered, but they're washed away, right? But it was a, it was a type of, of the Lord Jesus, right? Uh, and so her point in this chapter was there was the promise there about the coming Messiah in verse 15. And, uh, and then uh, God covered them, right? Uh, and so, you know, uh, we get to take advantage of, that, uh, of the actual results of the promise, right? They just had a promise that this was going to occur. And, of course, we found out later on that it, it took thousands of years for that to occur. But it did occur. And, and so now they have a promise and they have a covering uh, of blood here on them, signifying that someday, you know, the Lord Jesus will come uh, and blood will be shed and he'll be the perfect lamb. Uh, and, um, you know, and so because of that, then um, we get to live in the plan of redemption, right? Uh, and then she, she goes on and talks about uh, another example here. I think it'd be good to just read that one too. Over in Genesis chapter 20, so now in Genesis, by Genesis chapter 20, we're, we made it up to uh, Abraham. Uh, and um, uh, let's start here in verse, um, uh, well, let's just start in verse 1 here. Um, it says, uh, And Abraham journeyed from thence and toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourned in Gera. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, the king of Gerat, said, sent and took Sarah. And so uh, earlier on, you can go back and find out later on, you know, why is this the case? Why, why did Abraham, I mean, it, it's almost technically he's kind of her half-sister, you know, but it, it, the intention was to deceive, right? And so he's kind of lying about it because she's his wife, right? Uh, and so, so the king, you know, the king is, he's a king, right? And he's like, well, I'll just take whoever I want to, right? Now, if she's your sister, then she's available and I'm going to take her. And that's kind of what happened, right? The king took Sarah because, well, she's your, she's your sister, right? So it's okay, right? Uh, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said, Behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, uh, for she is a man's wife. Well, that's, that's news to him, right? But Abimelech had not come near her and said unto the Lord, Will thou slay also a righteous nation? Uh, and, and so Abimelech's like, you know, hey, you know, uh, he said in verse 5, Said he not unto me, she is my sister, and she even herself said, He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart, in the innocency of my hands, have I done this? But the Lord still, he's a warning, right? Uh, even, even if uh, Abimelech had done it without, uh, without knowledge, it still would have been an infraction against the marriage vow of Adam and, I mean, of Abraham and Sarah. And it would have been a, a grave trespass. Well, so the Lord's warning him, right? Don't do this. It's not going to be good for you. Uh, and so, so uh, you know, he, he's trying to make his case to the Lord, you know. Uh, I'm innocent. And the Lord said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou did this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. So the Lord, this is, uh, I think, the first time the Lord called Abraham a prophet. And he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live, and if thou restore her not, thou shalt know that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. 
So the Lord's saying, look, you know that uh, she is Abraham's wife now. And so if you continue on this path, then judgment will fall upon you, which is fair, right? You know, it's, uh, he's going to uh, cause an infraction against the will of God here. And so in verse 8, Therefore Abimelech rose early in the morning, called all of his servants, told all these things in their ears, and the men were, very, were, were sore afraid, badly afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have, what have I offended thee that thou, dis, thou hast brought on me in my kingdom a great sin? Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. And all that's fair, right? Uh, Abimelech is like, look, I'm, you know, I'm the king. I get to have who I want to. And, you know, uh, apparently he was a, a fairly just king that he's not going to take somebody's wife on purpose, you know. But if you're sister, you know, that's fair game. And, and so, so uh, Abraham said, because I thought, surely the fear of the Lord is not in this place and they will slay me for my wife's sake. So, you know, Abraham, although he was a fairly good fella, he was not perfect in his faith, right? He was perfect in his faith as far as the Lord said, I'm going to give you a, a, uh, an heir, right? He said he staggered not at the promise of God in that sense. But uh, what about fear? Well, he was in fear, right? Surely the fear of the Lord, is, I, I thought because I thought. Uh, and so every sin begins with a thought, doesn't it? Surely the fear of the Lord is not in his place and thou will slay me for my sister, for my wife's sake. Yet, I, yet indeed she is my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. So she, is, she was a half sister, but, you know, he intentionally misled the king, didn't he, right? Because he said you know, that if I say she's my sister, you're going to kill me. And, and, uh, uh, and that's what he said, right? That if I say that she's my, my wife, you will slay me for my wife's sake. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said unto her, this is uh, thy kindness which thou shalt show unto me at every place whether we shall come. Say of me, he is my brother. Well, well wh why is he doing this? Well, part of it is because even though, you know, they're fairly, they're getting up in age here. She apparently was a very beautiful woman and desirous of people, right? When people saw her, you know, if she's a, you know, uh, broken down, you know, ancient woman, you know, uh, all bent over and, and she would not, there had been no desire for her, right? And so, you know, uh, you got to read between the lines a little bit there, but, but um, why, why are all the, he said, everywhere we go, make sure you tell him you're my sister, right? Why? Because, uh, it, because he, he knows people are going to want to take her. And if she's her sister, he'll take her, but not kill him. So he's kind of a weasel, right? Well, you, it's okay if they take you, as long as they don't kill me. I mean, that, you know, that's what he's saying, right? That's the deal. Because uh, if, if I'm your husband, they're going to kill me so they can take you. But if you're just my sister, they're still going to take you, but I'm good. What an awesome fellow, right? <laughs> and so this is all about him, right? All this is about him. Uh, and so, um, so Abimelech, verse 14, took sheep and, and oxen uh, and men servants and, and women servants and gave them to Abraham and restored him, Sarah, his wife, and Abimelech, saying, Behold, my land is before thee, dwell where it pleases thee. And Sarah said, uh, and unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given thy brother, <laughs> that brother, <laughs> a thousand pieces of silver, because he is to thee a covering of the eyes, and unto all that are with thee, and with, with all others. Thus was she re reproved. So, uh, verse 17, So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his men, made servants and they bear children for the Lord had fast closed up the wombs of Abimelech because of Sarah Abraham's wife so apparently this occurred over a long over uh, 
you know, some reasonable amount of time, right? Months, uh, apparently, that uh, as soon as he took Sarah, nobody else in the whole uh, household of Abimelech's household had children uh, because of, you know, it was a trespass. It was an infraction against the, the bow of, of God between Abraham and Sarah. But it, it was done innocently, but it's still a trespass, right? still wrong. Uh, and so there were ramifications for that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it all got worked out fine, right? Nobody was hurt. Uh, and also uh, this uh, uh, verse here, verse 17, where Abraham prayed unto God, uh, this is the very first example of uh, somebody praying for somebody else to get healed, right? And it was Abraham, right? That's the very first example of uh, healing in the Bible. Uh, now, later on, Sarah does have a child, and so, you know, she's healed from that. Uh, but uh, this is the first time where we see it uh, occur. Uh, and so, uh, in that then, uh, Abraham uh, got to be the example here. Uh, and just like there was a covering with Adam and Eve, there's a covering here uh, from verse 16 where they had all of the, uh, uh, all the animals and everything there. Um, and, um, uh, and then, then Abraham prays for Abimelech. So uh, uh, Abraham, you know, uh, had seen Jesus, right? Remember what Jesus said in, um, we'll just mention this real quick and then we'll go here. In John 8, 56, uh, where Jesus was talking, he said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Uh, and so, Abraham being the covenant man of, of faith that he was, he, was he perfect? He was for sure not perfect, right? But he still was a covenant man of the Lord, and the Lord gave him all these promises and gave this covenant with him. Uh, and he saw the Messiah that was come, right? Because he, uh, he said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. So Abraham saw the Messiah that was to come. Uh, and so he's really uh, operating in that same faith of the Messiah that, uh, you know, God is the healer. This is long before Exodus fifteen twenty six, where he said, I am the Lord, uh, I am Jehovah Rapha, right? I'm the Lord to heal thee, uh, or the Lord your healer. And so long before that verse even occurred, Abraham still saw the Messiah that was to come. Uh, and because of that, he was able to pray for uh, Abimelech to get healed. Uh, how did he know, you know, this is the first case of healing. How did he know that God was the healer? How did he know that God would heal Abimelech in his whole household? Because he saw Jesus, right? Uh, and so because he saw that, then he was able to, um, uh, able to uh, pray for Abimelech and his whole family. So, you know, it does, it does help for us uh, in the same way to see Jesus. Of course, we're looking at Jesus, you know, kind of backwards, right, in the past where, where Abraham was seeing Jesus in the future. But Abraham was, was able to see Jesus in the future and would take that faith and cause somebody to get healed in his presence. Uh, and we should be able to see Jesus in the past and, and take that knowledge and get somebody healed in our present. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, in, in our, our vision, uh, and it, well, I, I, I say this, I, you know, I don't know if this is 100% true, but surely our vision of the past it w is better than, than Abraham's vision of the future, right? Or at least we have the potential for that because we could see it all, right? It, was, it all happened. Uh, and so, so uh, you know, all of that's good to understand, at least from a standpoint that uh, the, these things with Adam and Eve, they were prophesied. Uh, about the Messiah that was to come. Abraham was able to see the Messiah that was to come. 
Uh, and, and, you know, we don't get really that insight until Jesus said that. When Jesus said that, that he saw the Messiah to come, that helps us to understand how Abraham operated. That Abraham saw, it wasn't just all the, all, all the uh, 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 father of many nations. It was the fact that uh, my seed is going to bring into the earth the Messiah. Uh, and so, so uh, I think that's... Uh, well, we're about out of time there. You guys want to answer questions today or come back next week and answer them? Uh, that's the end of that chapter there. And so um, uh, we can answer a few questions here, can't we? And then we'll go. So question number one says, what is one way the devil tries to, quote, devour us? Uh, eat up our flesh through what? sickness and disease right and so he he does uh walk about as a as a wrong line seeking whom he may devour and he may devour us of course we know oftentimes it's it's in the context of sin but also uh, sin will bring along sickness and disease amen and this is a quote from uh dr yeoman she said sickness is slow what slow death or slow dying right uh and so and that's true right it's it's all sickness, even the smallest amount of sickness, you know, if you turned off your immune system, even from the smallest sickness, you would die, right? Your germs would just multiply and, and consume you, and that'd be the end of it, right? And so it's all slow dying, and of course, we, we're thankful that our, just from a natural standpoint, our bodies uh, get ahead of that, take care of it. Um, it says, even after Adam and Eve sinned, what two things did the Lord give them? A promise and a covering, right? So gave them the promise of Messiah and then he shed blood uh, and they gave them a covering there, which uh, bodes well for us, right? And then when was the destruction of the devil completed? At the cross. And, and it's probably not 100% accurate in that because probably, I think the more, uh, more accurate is really at the resurrection, right? Um, but that's what she said, right? Uh, that the destruction that was completed at the cross. And of course, a lot of people think the redemption was completed at the cross, right? And, and it was really completed at the resurrection to be technically accurate, right? Uh, and so, um, a right body is a what? A healthy body, right? Uh, and so, does the Lord desire for us to have a healthy body? Well, surely He does, right? I mean, He, he put a lot of work into it. And so, uh, and then, uh, uh, in verse, or not verse 6, but question 6. How was Abraham able to see Jesus? So Jesus said he saw him. So how was Abraham able to see Jesus? By faith, right? He saw the Messiah that was to come. Uh, and that tells us too then that all the Old Testament saints, you know, they, they can get into heaven today because they could see the Messiah that was to come. Even though he hadn't, hadn't arrived yet. But they, by faith they could see that he was coming. Amen. Uh, and so... So that's, that's the end of that chapter there. We'll, we'll pick up uh, she, uh, chapter number three. says healing pictures in the Bible. Uh, and it's plural, but there's, there's, there's two of them. So I guess that is plural, right? So, uh, but we'll look at some of the... So she's going through some examples and, and showing how that's a, a picture of healing for us today. And so we'll pick that up next week. So why don't we pray and thank the Lord for, for the word today. And so Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you for blessings and, uh, and honor. Father, we thank you that your word is true and it's sure, Father, and it hasn't changed. And if you were the healer yesterday, yesterday, Father, then you're the healer today. 
And if Abraham was able to heal Abimelech and get him healed because he saw the Messiah that was to come, Father, surely we can look back and see the Messiah that has come and, and get people healed today for the exact same reason, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And we give you the praise and the honor for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, Abraham is really, you know, he was surely not a perfect person, but he really had a lot of insight into the Lord, right? And, and just, just like this healing, right? And, and being able to see the, uh, the future of his generations and, um, uh, and how the Bible said that he staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith. You know, he, he never wavered in his faith that God was going to do what he said he was going to do in, in his covenant there. Uh, but he did, you know, play some of these old games like this, and he got into his thought life like uh, a lot of people do, you know, get, get afraid and try to take care of things in their own fear, amen? And, of course, it never works out right. Uh, so, uh, so we can learn from his mistakes, right? But we can also learn from his faith. And so, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive uh, this afternoon's offering. And... Um, um, before we, before we do that, uh, does anybody need prayer for any healing? Um, just uh, we haven't actually prayed for people in a while for healing, but uh, if you'd like prayer for anything in particular, uh, let's lay hands on people today. And I just sense we need to um, to uh, do that. I know, you know, even though we have healing school, we don't pray for everybody every single service, do we? Right? Uh, part of it is because we don't have an unction to pray. We can always do it if you ever need prayer. You can always ask, of course. Uh, but um, I just sense we need to pray for. So if you need. Uh, uh, healing in your body if you'll come up we'll pray for you amen and um, he's still a healer amen we thank the Lord for that and so he's good and kind and merciful and if Abraham could see the future of the Messiah that was to come and get people healed in the present because of what hasn't even happened surely we can uh, see the Messiah that has already come and get people healed because of what did occur amen uh, and so let's just pray and, and we'll lay hands on everybody so Father we thank you for your word and Father we thank you that we can look and see the Messiah that came and he did bruise the, the head of the serpent Father and, and his heel was bruised Father there was pain and agony that he suffered because uh, of the sin of, of Adam and Eve and yet he was willing to do that Father for us and so Lord just as, as uh, Eve and Adam could see the Messiah that was to come and Abraham could see Jesus the Messiah that was to come we can look in, back and see the Messiah that ha, has come and Father knowing that you're still the God that heals and so Father we have faith uh, in the Messiah we have faith that he paid a great price for healing and so Father by faith we lay hands on the sick according to the direction of the word of God and Father we thank you that through the law of contact and transmission, Father, we thank you that your spirit goes into these bodies. That the spirit that lives in me, Father, goes into this physical body and affects a healing and a cure. And Father, I thank you that, that all the systems, Father, are back in balance. 100%, Father. At peace, Father, and fully well. And Father, we thank you that it's a small thing for you to fix things. So, Father, we thank you blood pressure is normal father and mind and clarity is normal father balance is normal father we thank you for complete and total healing father and strength and increase in the name of Jesus thank you father 
in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you that you are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, Father, and strengthens, Father, and recovers and corrects. And Father, I thank you that your spirit will go into this physical body. Your life, Father, the Zoe life of God, will go into this body and effect a healing and a cure. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. She's well and strong, Father. And Father, I thank you that not, not only is she well and strong today, Father, she'll be well and strong all the days of her life. And Father, in that day in the future when you say it's time to come home, then, Father, she will turn her lights out and come home. Between now and then, Father, we thank you for sustained strength and wellness, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for hands, Father, that are made to transfer power. Father, I thank you that these hands are strong and well. Father, able to carry all the power of a resurrected king. And Father, I thank you that all the joints, Father, operate correctly in the name of Jesus. And Father, whatever the cause of that discomfort, Lord, I thank you. She is completely and totally healed in the name of Jesus. Father, your spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will affect a healing and a cure in her body, Father. And cause things to be put in order, Father, that are out of order. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you that you're the good God, the kind Father, to watch over us and to heal us each and every day. And Father, I speak life and health to this body in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you that it's well and it's strong, Father. And it's able to complete your will and plan in this earth. So, Father, I thank you. In the name of Jesus for life. Supernatural life, Father. In this physical body. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. And Father, I thank you for divine health and strength in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that this Spirit, Father, will receive your life, Father. And that it'll expand into every inch of his physical body, Father. To affect healing and a cure and divine health. 
Father, I speak life to this body in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you that it's healed and strong in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus for healing, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your Zoe life. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. You know, uh, Dr. Yeoman was saying that, uh, uh, that sickness and disease is slow death, right? Or slow dying. Uh, what's the cure for death? It's always life, amen. Uh, and... Um, you know, I think and meditate on that a lot just in my own physical life that the, uh, the Lord called it, uh, one time he called it everlasting life, at least in King James. One time he called it eternal life. And he said and that life there is the Greek word zoe. And that zoe life uh, is there, you know, not only to cause you to live eternally in heaven, but it's also there uh, in Romans 8, 11, it says that, that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus dead will, will quicken your mortal flesh. It will cause it to, to be made alive. Well, the, the way that it does that is that the Zoe life in you, right, the eternal life that's in you, the Spirit of God that's in you, uh, can affect your physical being. Amen? And we need to increase our faith in that knowledge that everywhere we go, we carry eternal life in us. Eternal life, right? It can't, it can't be killed. It can't die. Uh, and not only can it not be killed and not die, but it can affect your physical body to make it well every day. Amen? Uh, and so medita uh, meditate on that on a regular basis just for your own life, that I am, I'm a walking, eternal life person. That, that in me right now, in all of us right now, is eternal life, everlasting life, right? And it will affect a healing and a cure in your body. And you can live in divine health, amen? You have a right in, to live in divine health because that life in you can't be overcome, can it? Can that Zoe life be overcome by sickness and disease? Well, all sickness and disease is all death, right? It's all death trying to get upon you. And you have that shield of life that's around you because of what's, what's in you. Uh, and, um, you know, it's our responsibility to have faith that that's true, right? A lot of people, it's still there, but they don't have faith that it's true. And so they will almost invite all sickness and disease. Well, you know, you just never know. And, and then even though... You know, what's, what's crazy is that you have a body filled with everlasting life, and yet some people still welcome death, you know, welcome sickness and disease. Uh, and it will, you know, it, it, if, if you allow it and welcome it, it will get on you, right, and uh, try to overtake you. But, um, but meditate on that, amen? Meditate on it. I walk around, I get eternal life. Uh, what level of death could ever overcome eternal life? If death itself appeared to you, you know, and said, I'm going to overtake that eternal life, like, Go ahead, try it. You know, it ain't going to happen, right? I mean, you know, not that you're trying to tempt the Lord or anything, but just it, you can't do it, right? But, it, but that requires for you to have faith that, that that eternal life lives on the inside of you, amen? And that you're a walking eternal life person. And so that's a freebie that wasn't even in the book there, right? So, uh, but um, uh, eternal life, right? And so, all right, now we can receive the offering, right? I think we're okay to receive the offering. So, um, 
And so you'd think that we'd, we'd uh, pray for the sick more in healing school, but that's kind of the whole purpose of healing school, right? We get to a point where we don't have to uh, uh, be prayed for every time. Amen. Come ahead, Mr. Jared. Of course, it's never, it's never a problem praying for people, right? The Lord says pray for people. What do we do? Well, we pray for people, right? It's, it's, uh, uh, it's okay. Amen. Uh, and um, I never have a problem with letting people help me in their faith because if I, if I need help uh, for sickness and God, I just go, I don't care to go up in prayer line, amen. Uh, my goal is to get better. My goal is not to act like I'm, you know, never have problems. My goal is to be, is to not have problems, amen. Uh, and so the Lord is good, amen. So we'll be here next Sunday. And don't forget, we don't have church this Wednesday. Y'all enjoy um, Thanksgiving with your families. And uh, don't forget, we'll be here Saturday at 10 a.m. to redecorate the church for Christmas. And then uh, we'll be back here on Sunday. Amen. So have a wonderful week, Lord. Enjoy uh, Thanksgiving. Tell all your family I said hi, even though I don't know any of them. Uh, I do know some of you. I know some of your family, right? And some of your family. And uh, I don't know all of your family yet, uh, Mr. Bob, but uh, we'll get there, right? So uh, we'll see you all next Sunday. Amen. Or next Saturday.